ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. You get your money from work. You pay for stuff and you get heaps of things. You can buy any healthy food you like and you can buy some toys. A lot of money would be 1200 When you see other people, you would have to give them a couple of your money because you have too much. So you can share it a bit down so the whole wide world feels happy. Even really little kids get what money is and what it can buy them. (laughs) If only it were that simple. I don't know about you, but it feels like lots of conversations I have at the moment is about the cost of living and how we are all feeling the pinch. So when money is tight, what do you tell your kids? What if you do have to cut back on the things they love? Is it okay to be honest with them if you can't afford something? And no one wants an entitled kid, so how can you curb your kid's sense of entitlement? I'm Maggie Dent, and this is Parental As Anything. If you avoid any money conversations with your kids, then our guest might ask you to think again. Effie Zahos is a mother of two and the former editor of Money magazine, and she says money is constantly on the table for discussion at her house. Effie, would you tell your kids how much money you make? Oh, you're coming out of the bolts straight, straight away, it. straight up. I have with one, but not with the other. Mm. Um, And I think the reason for that is that to come out and just straight away tell, say, a (laughs) seven-year-old what you earn could really be taken out of context. And these kids talk in the playground. It becomes news at school. (laughs) in, In moments. And also the ramifications of that without understanding the whole context of your financial affairs could be, well, why can't I have that? You earn this. Yeah. Why are you holding back if you earn a lot or if you're not earning a lot? The angst that that's gone on that child then as well. Are we poor mummy? Are we rich mummy? So you've got to be careful that what you do share with your children is age appropriate. Okay. We will get to what is age appropriate soon and how to start these conversations. But before we do, we know that children are constantly absorbing information and modelling off us. They're developing an understanding really early on about money and our relationship to it, even without us knowing. So Effie, when do you think it is okay to start talking about how a household budget works with our kids? I would suspect right now a lot of households have been talking oh, to their kids I about hope it. So. And I think it's really important that you do speak to your kids, involve them in the household conversations. I certainly have. From a young age, pretty much so, as bills would come in, we would sit down and say, well, this is what an energy bill looks like. This is what causes it to go up or go down. So they are part of that conversation. 
otherwise they're not really ready themselves. And I think the biggest lesson too is when your children do leave home, how set up are they to run their own households? Okay, it can be a bit boring talking to them about the <laughs> energy on, bill. I find it exciting. So you do because it's your thing. So how do you make a little interesting enough for them? Or do you just give them in little chunks? Well, with money, I guess for them, it's all about what's the end goal here? It's what money gets you. It's the lifestyle. It's the aspiration. So for example, with my son, very keen to to save money away, but didn't understand the concept of banks and interest and investing and so on. And for me, it was a way, well, how do I show that you can reach your goal possibly earlier if you take a more active interest? in what you're doing, enticing them with their end goals rather than just saying, hey, you need to save because you've got to save. Well, why do I have to save? Isn't yeah. that what you're there for? <laughs> okay, Effie, is it okay to tell kids, nah, we can't afford it? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. I think the biggest mistakes my parents made was that they didn't say that to me. And I grew up in a bit of a bubble for a while thinking that we were rich, we were loaded. That's because my parents in the background were working so, so hard just to give me the basics and really didn't talk to me about money. And my world came crushing down after I realised, well, things aren't what they seem. So yes, it is absolutely okay to tell you children, we can't have that. We can't afford that. Just be open and honest. And what is the alternative? And what are we doing about it? Having those conversations. But for others where really it is a dire straight situation, again, it's about possibly getting the help you need as a family before you actually approach that with your children. Because Telling a seven-year-old that we have no money left for the week to put food on the table isn't really going to help that situation for that seven-year-old. So there needs to be some kind of age appropriateness there. What are some ways we can start talking to our kids about money? Let's start with the younger kid. So if they're under the age of 10... I would get them involved when you are out and about as much as you can with money for them to understand buying apples that cost this amount. This is what it is a kilo. Just getting them in the shopping process. If they're young in the trolley, let them touch it, feel it, see the product. Just don't go blindly shopping without getting them in the experience And then sometimes we can't afford the blueberries, right? Let's just, you know, when it's out of season. Sorry, I know you love them. You love them. Give them a choice. Yep. This is this is this costs so much now. This one's a little bit cheaper. Or if we have this, we can't have these two now. What one? So they can choose. Now it's the tweens and teens. That can be a lot more complicated, can't it? And demanding. So their wants might be the latest fashion or their own iPhone or a new surfboard. So how do we have really effective conversations about money with our tweens and teens? There's a lot of wastage in that period because it's always want, 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 want. Again, it's compromise. Again, it's getting them to understand what is the opportunity cost foregone by doing that. I know that sounds like a complicated thing, but it can be explained visually quite easily. You do this over the next couple of years, you lose this. So get them to understand that at that age. Consequences of their purchase and value. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because for them, they've got time on their side. And when it comes to creating wealth, one of the key things you need is time. Let's be honest, knowing how to talk to kids about money challenges can be tricky or just plain hard because we don't want to mess it up. Our stress about the home budget can make grown-ups be really grumpy, 
or maybe be the cause of parents arguing and our kids notice. And some kids, especially our sensitive ones, can start to then worry and become really anxious about the situation of money. So please be mindful of noticing if this is happening and then reassure them that there are hard times that happen in life and it's grown-ups' job to work out how to cope and how to adapt and how to manage and that you know deep down inside you that things will work out. So tell them that what really helps you cope is having a big hug from them or a big hug from one of their favourite toys or they can make you a cuppa, either a real one or a pretend one because they can help. They're not powerless to make a difference. Pocket money. Okay, let's go there, Effie. Because every family has a different approach, even when the going's tough. And a lot of parents are not fans of paying their kids to do chores. So, as an expert in money, where do you stand on pocket money? For me, the purpose of pocket money was to teach them the value of a dollar. And I went as far as setting up a contract, getting them to sign it, sticking it on their wall. So we knew exactly what the arrangement was. And if it wasn't adhered to, they didn't get paid. Sometimes they met it, sometimes they didn't. So if they didn't meet it, they weren't paid for it. I think it's important to establish what's the purpose of pocket money, because obviously if you're only paying them a little amount, they're not able to live on that. Mm. It's all about earning a dollar, the value of it. What do you do? How do you budget? In a digital world where kids watch their parents zap a plastic card or their phones or their watches or their rings at the checkout, how can parents teach kids about the value of money? The interesting thing with adults raising children now is chances are the first purchase that child is going to make is going to be digital. And in a lot of cases, we ourselves, the parents are not equipped to perhaps teach them that. And so that's where the problem is to to start off with. Are we on top of digital currency? In this day and age, cash is shrinking, but it's still very important that a child does understand that this is a dollar, this is 50 cents, this is 20 cents. But having said that, I think it's important that when it comes to teaching the value of money with children, that they are set up from get-go. A great bank account There are goal aspirations that they can put in there. You can link yours with theirs. You can set up chores. You can pay them over digitally. They can see their digital footprint. Is there a debit card attached to it? Prepaid debit cards. I know that sounds a bit scary out there for parents thinking, why would I give my child a prepaid debit card? It's a really dangerous (laughs) idea. It's not a credit card. It's their money, but they are actually using it to go online. They need it to tap. Even canteens these days at school require tap and go. So if they're not sure how to handle the digital currency, they're not setting themselves up. So the good news is there are a lot of accounts out there that are catered for kids in this bracket from, say, 7 to 17. It's a role of parents to help guide them and teach them with those. And a lot of them have safety parameters too. You may want to put no cash withdrawals out. Obviously, you won't be able to use them in alcohol or gambling. And more often than not, they're linked to your account so you can see exactly what they're spending. Effie says setting your kids up with a bank account is a great way for them to watch their money and how far it goes. But beware, 
you do have to keep an eye on it and you need to help them navigate that big responsibility. I'm a single mum with two kids, 11 and 13, and uh, on the weekend I was given a pretty big shock when I checked my uh, banking app. What I discovered was pretty much vomit-inducing. So, this mum, let's call her Marie. It's not her name, but that's what I'll call her. She discovered a big chunk of money had gone missing from her account, $700, which she happened to find sitting in her 11-year-old son's bank account. I had no idea that he watched me put my banking app passcode in my phone. He looked at the numbers that I was putting in. He was able to get into my app. He was then able to work out how to transfer the money all by himself. I never showed him how to do it. Yeah, just be careful what you do in front of them. (laughs) After that initial gut-wrenching discovery, she realised that this wasn't the only one. Two other big chunks of money had been moved from her account to her son's account. I actually thought that it was a mistake initially and I went in immediately to my son's room who was happily playing on his iPad and just said, mate, I've just noticed something on my bank account. I know you wouldn't have done it, but I just don't understand what's happened. And he immediately literally fell to the floor, screaming and crying. His face said everything, that he had done something bad uh, and started, he was hysterical. And I just kept saying, what have you done? What have you done? And, uh, and he told me that he had taken $1,200 out of my account and transferred it directly into his account and uh, he was buying Pokemon cards. He was actually also using the money to buy video games for his friends. He would take them shopping and I understand now that that is his association with someone showing him love, not particularly me, but I'm in a um, single parenting situation. So there has been an influence where people buy him money to show that they love him. And so I could see that pattern actually starting in him. He was buying his friends very expensive presents Uh, in order to win their favour or win their affection or win their attention. It was a really tough lesson for her little man, but it was also a tough lesson for Marie. Once she started to think about what she could have done to prevent it. A lot of his um, association with money comes from his influence of watching YouTubers and they seemingly being able to splash a lot of cash or make a lot of cash really quickly and not understanding that, um, you know, money has to be earned. I should have maybe been watching some of the YouTubers that he was watching um, to prevent that kind of association with money. It has really changed the way I have seen or spoken to him about money and my daughter, my 13-year-old daughter, 
Um, and that because they're always seeing me tap on a card or transfer money, that kind of stuff. I want them to understand that it takes hours to earn money and commitment to earn money and for frivolous spending to be had actually takes a bit of budgeting. So they, it's been a big wake-up call to me as to how I teach them the association with cash because they, they just don't see it very much in the house anymore. Marie said one of the things that surprised her most was that her son really had no concept of what $1,200 meant for the family and the family budget and how hard it would be for a solo parent to save that much again. So she thought she was protecting her kids from money stresses, but in the end, some open, honest conversations might have made her son think twice before taking the money. Many parents comment that their children have a sense of entitlement (laughs) Um, and it's not unheard of for children to expect cafe breakfast, add things into the shopping trolley or want to do expensive activities on the weekend. But if children understand more about what it costs to keep a family clothed, fed and housed, do you think this will help curb the entitlement attitude? Is that the plan? (laughs) Absolutely, Maggie. We have to let our kids make the mistakes. We have to let our kids be that driving force rather than us taking control. Otherwise, they won't ever understand that. So yeah, there is a lot of entitlement there that kids have. And if they do... I want. I think you need to look back at yourself and go. Well, where did they get this from? Could I have been a better teacher? Yes, and saying no every now and then really very is actually a really good idea yeah. to build resilience. And I think it's important that parents don't set their children up for failure by thinking I've got to help them out. When things get really tight, families feel it, and there are things they are forced to cut back on: the extra treats or the after-school activities. What can parents do as they navigate that disappointment with their kids? That is hard, really, to say to your child, hey, you you know, you can't go on school camp for this period or, you know, you can't do this. But unfortunately, there are quite a few of us, of course, that are constantly living on minimum wage, that constantly have to battle this, that do juggle this. And and I think it's okay to say to your family that, yeah, we are in a tough period, um, but then back it up with what you think will get you out of this situation. But I guess also let your child make that decision too. So with birthdays, we do like to treat them. Some years you just can't, you can't match what you've done in the past. So I've left the decision back to my child. Would you like mum and dad to spend some money on a party or would you like us to buy that what you want Mm. instead of the party or would you like us to downsize this and do it? What's the choice? What do you want to do? And then let your child make that decision based on what budget you may have. So again, it's not kind of coming in, we can't afford this, it's not happening, this is terrible. It's at least presenting your child with the option so they understand, well, hey, mum and dad have only got this amount and I've got the decision. It's up to me. This is great. I can make the call here. Now let's talk about credit. I'm going to put my hand up and say at one point I had nearly three max out credit cards when I first was moved out of teaching full-time into counselling because I wasn't really great with money. But how do we talk to our kids about the role of credit? 
Yeah. And credit looks very different now, Maggie. I don't know if you've noticed it, but in most cases, credit cards uh, aren't popular with millennials. Very old fashioned. (laughs) Very old world. (laughs) Very old world. But then the form of, say, buy now, pay later. Absolutely. That is credit. So it's just a different form. It is very clever. I mean, if you saw something for $400, you'd think, Maggie, no, I'm not going to buy that. But when you see it for $100 paid over four equal installments, you think, "Yeah, yeah, I can afford that. That's not a problem. We're even living right now, this might this might blow you away, that we can actually get our pay immediately or before payday. So there are platforms now that let you access your pay as you earn it by the hour. That's instant. Okay, so how do we teach our kids as they head into their, you know, post-teen years mm. about being a little more wary of subscriptions and pay later apps? And do you have any techniques on how they can navigate that yeah. budget? Money is more than just dollars and cents. So if you've got not a very good handle on your budget and you're living in what's known as a payday life cycle, that's when, you know, you're young, you get paid, you feel rich, yoo-hoo, it's Friday, and you've got all this money. So you've got to understand why do you spend money? Is it because... Friday, you feel good. I deserve it. I've worked so hard. I deserve to spend this money. That's often a trigger. Are you on social media all the time? You get tempted by what's on there. If that's the case, put a rule in place. I can't purchase anything for at least 48 hours. I guarantee if you sleep on it and you go back to that, you'll just think, "Mm, not, not really. So putting those fixes to help your triggers, because if you don't control that emotional side of you, you're not going to be able to move forward and get ahead. And so that's the number one thing. If your child can and has the time and it doesn't interfere if they're at school and so on, getting a part-time job, I don't care what it is. I think if they get a job that's actually paid very different from you paying them chores, it really is because they're accountable to somebody else. They get their pay. You get give them the responsibilities of what they've got to take out of that and pay out of that. Until they have their first job, I, I think it's really hard for them to kind of understand. I know the best money lessons learned with my daughter was her first job. Kids learn most of their understanding about money and money psychology from their parents. So if we are anxious or avoidant about money, or we're happy to splash, or we use lots of credit, they pick up on it. And good news, they can also learn from others. Grandparents, teachers, older cousins, siblings, so relax. It's coming from a lot of places. If we keep a balance between the messages about not being wasteful, like buying toys or clothes often, and say, we have plenty of toys at home, and we like to make toy buying special around birthdays or Christmases because it makes it more special, and then, yep, ignore their protests. Sometimes cutting back can be done really discreetly without our kids noticing We just buy less and we juggle the budget behind the scenes without the kids necessarily knowing, especially if you've got one that's going to be really worried and stressed. Sometimes we may chat about things being tight and ask them for their ideas on how they can help. Seriously, kids can be really creative. And yes, sometimes we simply just reassure them, even if we're not sure how we're going to get through it, we know we will. And then... Focus on the basic level of survival, which is, is there food on the table? Do they have a warm bed? Do they have people who love them? Because there are many 
doing it really tough at the moment who don't have all these things. Remember to keep conversations age appropriate, expose them to learning about money through the real things like playing shops, shopping trips or saving for a goal. And it's absolutely okay to say no to your kids' requests that cost money. Yes, it's really helpful to nurture our kids' resilience, to learn how to adapt to setbacks and adversity, acknowledging and managing disappointment. (laughs) And it can curb that sense of entitlement that can happen in the overly spoiled child. It's a great opportunity to teach your kids that while it's okay to cut back on things, you can still give your kids stuff or have a good time. Op shops, picnics, simple dinners, movie nights at home, cubbies everywhere in the house, friends for sleepovers. Kids can brainstorm free local activities. You can seriously still have fun when the budget is tight. And if all this talk of money is making you think about how chores work in your family, we have a companion episode called How to Get Your Kids to Do Chores. Let kids be kids every day and also every day have some expectations about what they'll do to contribute around the house. Woohoo! You'll find it in the Parental as Anything feed. Next time on Parental as Anything, Are your kids begging for a pet? They see all their friends with dogs and they can't understand why we won't get one. We are apparently the worst parents ever. Should you cave? Find out on Parental as Anything in the ABC Listen app. This episode of Parental as Anything was recorded and produced on Noongar, Turrbal and Combermary country. 